What is up, everybody? This is Toffee Blues USA, your source for all things Everton, American style. Not even sure that means, except I don't have a cool accent. Maybe that's what that means. All right, today I am joined by uh, somebody I've been following on Twitter for a while, and now I actually get to have conversations and talk Everton with him. It's Jeff Walner. Jeff, nice to meet you. Jerry, likewise. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. So, so Jeff, you are based in Cincinnati, Ohio, and you are a sports journalist, yes? That is correct. Lifelong Cincinnatian, a sports journalist for, uh, this is my 26th year. And who have you covered in the area? We've talked about this off, uh, off the air, but uh, I, I want everybody else to hear. It's just kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've I've done more I've done more baseball than than anything. Uh, covered the Cincinnati Reds for 20 years. Um, I've also covered uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, in the NFL, and also college sports uh, with the uh, University of Cincinnati and also Xavier University uh, here in the city. Um, currently, I'm also uh, covering our MLS club, FC Cincinnati, who's in there second year and still growing and building with a new stadium opening next year. So uh, a lot of exciting things going on in Cincinnati sports. Of course, this past year has been very strange with uh, uh, fans not being allowed to, uh, to attend the games. Um, it's been a little bit different, but uh, hopefully 2021 will bring more normalcy. So just for a little Little clarification for those of the folks, the, the folks who aren't super fa- uh, familiar with FC Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati was a, was a lower league club that had like some of the best support I've ever seen for an American soccer franchise. They were crazy in open cup competitions and it was so fun to watch them play. Yeah, they, they're really, uh, it's an amazing story. Uh, they started with two guys, uh, Jeff Birding uh, and Dan McNally, sitting at uh, a lunch counter or having coffee or something. And they quite literally drew up the plans to bring a professional soccer franchise to Cincinnati. And we had had lower division clubs before, but nothing that was really kind of a substantial with a plan. And they were able to get the University of Cincinnati to buy in, allow them to use Nippert Stadium, which is the football stadium at, uh, at UC. And they drew 14,000 fans for their uh, USL opener. And soon it became 20, and then it was 25, and then it was 27. And it grew to uh, 33,000, 35,000 for the US Open Cups. Just, just amazing. And they pretty much put themselves, they weren't even in the running for an MLS franchise. They really kind of just crashed <laughs> the MLS yeah. in many respects. Um, they played Crystal Palace in a friendly and had 35,000 for that, which at the time was the largest crowd to ever attend a soccer match in the state of Ohio. Um, and I think that might still be the case. Um, so just, yeah, just amazing. And they open a new stadium next year. So it's, it's very exciting here from that standpoint. Yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen some of the designs of that new stadium. It looks pretty awesome. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty exciting I'm stuff. <laughs> so you get to cover your local. I mean, it seems like a pretty, a pretty sweet gig that you have patiently worked toward. Uh, you know, uh, twenty years in sports journalism in your uh, in your hometown. It's pretty, pretty rad situation. Uh, yeah. Sorry, you were in the middle of saying something. I was like freelance writing. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a freelance journalism career. So I I kind of built it from from the ground up. Um, I had a talent for writing and passion for sports and uh, just built it into, into a career that's lasted this long. So it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey. I would imagine freelance uh, from, from what I'm gathering freelance is very intense when it comes to taking matters into your own hands to make sure you get the, the gigs that you, you want. You're a constantly act. Any, everybody I've talked to, that has done freelance is just so incredibly uh, disciplined. And you know what I mean? Like there's this, it's where you have to really take thing, take the bull by the horns and take responsibility for everything. It's not like someone else is building all your structure, you know, for your, for your career. And that's, that's admirable. Yeah. And, and the key, the key is to find those clients that become, quote unquote, full-time freelance, where you're a freelancer, you're not an, you're not an employee for them, but uh, you become a regular contributor and you're kind of locked into providing them with regular content. And mm -hmm. I did that for 13 years for the Cincinnati Enquirer, MajorLeagueBaseball.com, and now WCPO.com, which is Channel 9 in Cincinnati, their website. So you kind of get, and also Cincinnati Soccer Talk right now that I cover FC Cincinnati for. So you, that's the key as a freelancer, finding those clients that you become a regular contributor where you get to the point where it's almost like you are an employee, even though they're not paying you benefits. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a differentiating thing there. But, uh, yeah. uh, but that's, that's what you want. And that's kind of how you build a, a freelance career. I, th I think in any, doesn't matter if it's freelance journalism or photography or art or whatever it is um you know it's those regular clients that you build those relationships with and then you're you're kind of off and running so just to reiterate and i want to make sure i'm going to repeat this at the end at the end as well when we're doing all the plugging but cincinnati soccer talk that is the that is the show correct i want to make sure we go ahead and plug that now so if you're if you're <laughs> into what jeff's throwing down about this uh, cincinnati soccer if you're like you know i want to learn more about FC Cincinnati, which I know a lot of people overseas have not picked an MLS club yet. Some of them care about that. Some of them don't. But if you do, you may want to check out Jeff, what Jeff's doing over there on Cincinnati Soccer Talk. Yep. Cincinnati, CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com. It it's a website. Uh, you can find my stories there. Uh, we also have a podcast and, and a lot of things going on and really active on social media. So you can follow Cincy Soccer Talk on Twitter and, uh, and kind of follow along. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so, Jeff, a few questions. So, Cincinnati Toffees, is that your, your hometown supporters group? Your Everton supporters that group? That is. Yeah, Cincinnati Toffees uh, was formed um, uh, around 2014, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, by Adam Frazier, who uh, is a Cincinnati resident uh, and native um, who taught in Liverpool uh, for a year, and that's how, be how he became a blue and he brought it back to America with him and wanted to start a, a local supporters group here. And, uh, and if I can, I need to give uh, Adam a shout out. Some people that 
that are watching this probably are already aware, but uh, um, Adam and his wife, Maria, their young infant daughter, Anastasia, who we affectionately call Little Toffee, um, is going through some uh, some really serious health issues, and they're currently in the ICU, and uh, she's awaiting surgery. So thoughts and prayers from everyone. I know the Blue family has really stepped up. Uh, we've seen a lot of things on social media Everton tweeted something just the other day, some support. So just wanted to give a shout out. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, Adam's vision and uh, and he was the one who created Cincinnati Toffees. And uh, we've been growing by leaps and bounds. I feel like we have one of the, uh, uh, one of the strongest supporters clubs uh, in the U.S. And we're, we're doing a lot of great things for, for charity in addition to uh, um, having uh you know good numbers every every match day our, our host pub is dana gardens which is on just off the campus of xavier university mm -hmm. um, adam went to xavier and he was familiar with the people friends with the people who who run uh that bar and got buy-in from them and they've been just amazing partners for us they they fund help fund the NB pub pass so we were sure to having all the matches on uh, on TV, uh, they open up at 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m., what, whatever okay. it takes, midweek matches. Um, they welcome us with open arms, and uh, we make sure that we, we help reward them for that as well. So it's been, uh, it's been great. It, it really has, and uh, um, we're, we're drawing more and more uh, Everton supporters every day, and, and that's, that's what it's all about. So... Uh, we have recently, I, I guess it may have been three or four weeks ago, we had uh, Jake Holton on. Have you met Jake at any of the Cincinnati Toffees uh, events over there? Yep. Jake's a good, Jake's a good friend of mine, and uh, he, is a, he is a regular uh, attendee on, on match days at Dana Gardens. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Another nice Cincinnati Toffee. He's a great guy, too. Uh, very good. So, so question. I mean, there's a couple of, you know, we, we've gotten to have two Cincinnati Everton supporters on here uh, contributing to the program, getting to talk to them. Do you think there's, is there anything about Cincinnati that, that's, that, that makes uh, the locals uh, a little more prone to being Everton supporters? Is there something about <laughs> something about the psychology of the residents there or what? You know, I, I don't know. We, it's, it's funny because when we all get together and I, I think, I think other, all, all supporters groups kind of probably have a, a similar story, but uh, when we do all get together, we, we are all kind of like personalities as I think there is some commonality. Maybe that's a, that would be a book idea at some point mm -hmm. is what, what personality kind of draws you to, to Everton, because obviously, unlike our um, our, our, our good friends, uh, you know, in Liverpool and throughout um, England and, and and other countries that maybe were um, maybe have that kind of generational connection, either they were born into a into a blue family or, or whatever it might be. Obviously, we all cho chose our club, and uh, as I always say, we we could have chosen any club in the world, and we chose this one. And uh, everybody has their their reasons why, and uh, I think it would be a really good kind of study of the human condition. Why I'm fascinated. why are we here? <laughs> I'm so fascinated by why we all have picked Everton for different reasons, and I I constantly ask ask that. <laughs> uh, 
Very cool. Uh, so now that now that we're getting into that, Jeff, why are you a blue? Why are you so blue? <laughs> I, I love te- I love telling I love telling these stories. Um, I, I, I call it my my Everton my Everton speech. <laughs> And uh, I told it so many times when I was in Liverpool because everybody wants to know how does an American become a and you know why Everton? So, um, but I, I think I was like most Americans um, within maybe the last I don't know twenty thirty years roughly where I think the sport really started to take hold in this country mm-hmm. and there was a, just a growing passion for the sport of soccer. And I kind of uh, was kind of, you know, drawn to that as well. So you get to the point where you want to, um, you want to choose a club to support because it's, there's too many years between world cups and um, you, you want to have that club to support. And, and I've always had, I've always had a close kind of affinity toward England. I listen to a lot of, I mean, 90% of the music I listen to is, and even more so now because of my, my Liverpool connections and the friends I've made in Liverpool, listen to a lot of music uh, from the UK. But um, so the Premier League was going to be where my club was going to come from. But um, I think maybe being a journalist, a sports journalist, maybe contributed to it because I went, I went into it with kind of a, a, thirst for knowledge and I wanted to know more about um, how how that sport got started in England um, and so I kind of looked back at some of the history and 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 saw the clubs that were part of the original football league in 1888 uh, because living in Cincinnati of course we have the first professional baseball team um, so we kind of started started it all right so um, I looked at that and it was funny because I, I hadn't heard of a few of the clubs, but Everton jumped off the page because I knew of Everton um, because of Tim Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I made it a point and I still give and this, and this is might be horrible to say because I love Tim Howard and I love Landon Donovan and I love everything that they did for Everton and I think Tim Howard is probably one of our best ambassadors, not just American ambassadors, probably the, one of the best ambassadors we have for this club. Um, but I, I still do get a little perturbed when people assume that because I'm American, I'm an Evertonian because of Tim Howard. So I made it a point in the beginning to, to say, you know, I'm not going to choose Everton because of Tim Howard. I need, I need some other reasons why this would be my club. Now I got kind of lucky because um, I was leaning toward <clears throat> Everton being the, the club I was going to support. And I have a friend here in Cincinnati who I knew was from England, but I had, didn't really know he was from Liverpool because the conversation really hadn't come up and it's not, he's not a close friend that I see all the time, but he caught wind on social media that I was, looking at the Premier League club and then I was considering Everton and I was kind of following Everton at that point. And he said, we need to go out for, you know, a couple of pints and talk about Everton. So he told me story after story about um, growing up in Liverpool in a family of blues, generations of blues, 
Um, he talked to me about his friends who were blues. He told me great stories, um, like, you know, friends who, they would always go to the pub on Saturday, but this particular friend, if Everton lost, like he wouldn't show up at the pub. So, you know, they would say, well, where, you know, where is, I forget his name. It's a, where, where is so-and-so? And they say, oh, Everton lost today. They're like, oh, okay. So he's not leaving the house for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> and another friend who didn't own anything red and like nothing red. Um, and just, just, he talked about going to matches at Goodison Park and I grew up going to games at Wrigley Field and it kind of, there was a connection there because the history kind of drew me, um, Goodison Park kind of drew me in, you know, an iconic ground, a historic club with a history of success, but that, that's not, you know, if I was just looking for success, obviously I could have, you know, I had my pick of other clubs. Um, but everything, everything made sense to me. And it's not my nature to, um, to, to pick, to just pick a winner. I mean, quote unquote, I mean, we won England nine times. I, I don't like saying that. Like it's not, you know, because Everton is very much a winner. Um, right. One of the greatest clubs in, uh, in English football history. We know that. Um, but it's not my nature to just go to the top of the table and say, this is who I'm going to. So just through all of that, I just came drawn to Everton. And then once you start watching the matches and following the matches and you, you learn more about the school of science and you start to interact with the fan base and you, you learn how much this club means to them, to their families, to their lives um, and how important it is. And then you get exposed to Everton's kind of role in the community of Liverpool and what the club means to, to that town and just everything. Um, you know, I, I just, I fell in love with the club. Now this part of it, this part of it, and I, 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 I I've said this thousands of times, um, I didn't expect this though. I kind of went into it thinking, you know, I'd have a club to support. I'd find a pub to watch the games. I'd buy a kit. I, I didn't expect this. So, you know, when you do the tour of Goodison and you go into the, the dressing room and there's the Allen ball quote on the wall, right? Once Everton touches you, uh, you know, things are never the same. And they haven't been, but I, I didn't expect this. I didn't at all. When I was sitting, I was sitting at, uh, I think it was at the, we were at the brick and we're talking. It's like, I can't believe I'm just on a, I'm at a match. I'm in Liverpool on a match day. I just left Goodison park sharing pints with people in Liverpool. I would have never imagined 15 years ago. If you just said I would have been doing that, I would have said you're, I would have helped pay for your therapy that I would have flown 4,000 miles to watch, you know, a soccer team play in England, but, but that's, that's what this club does. And yeah. they become a, a big part of my life and an important part of my life. And it's, it's just been a wonderful experience. I've made so many friends in, uh, I've made friends in Cincinnati. I never would have met. I've made friends in other parts of the U S I never would have met. I've made it. I have friends in Ireland. I have friends in obviously a lot of new friends in Liverpool, other parts of England, that I never would have met had it not been for Everton. Mm -hmm. And I go back and think, what if, what if I would have 
chosen another club. Or like, I'm sure there, at times people in Liverpool, are, what would happen if I was born into another family? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just kind of, this club came into my life and I, I just, I couldn't be happier. And um, yeah, that's my, that's my Everton story. That's, I mean, that's, it's funny when people tell these kind of stories, sometimes you get the short version from folks, usually in person. A lot of times when we have the guests on, it's, you know, they're telling it as though it's for the first time, but you, you tell it with such uh, um, affection, you know, uh, it's, it's very clear. You're right. I, I didn't expect to be here. You know what I mean? Doing, doing, <laughs> doing a show like this. I was not, I was not expecting this uh, out of everything. And the, the fact that, you know, have, you know, we're, we're connected. We're, we're connected to, to other people uh, all over this country, all over other countries. There's a connecting bond there that comes from, you know, genuine uh, caring. And it doesn't come from, oh, they're winning. Let's, let's go with them. Like, right. I get the vibe that a lot of Everton supporters would be sort of pissed off if they got kind of, if, if, if all of a sudden they got this influx of fans a la, you know, some of those other top six teams when they just have a good streak and all of a sudden there's, you know, I was, I have a feeling they'd be kind of like, when did you become a fan? When did you become a supporter? Are you serious? You know what I mean? It's right. I, so well, I um, think, <laughs> and we talk about it. We talk about it all the time among the Cincinnati Toffees because we we obviously have friends who support other clubs, and um, you know we we have our own pub. We're, we're very fortunate in that respect because there are a couple of massive football pubs in Cincinnati. This is this is a huge huge soccer town, obviously, um, and at those places you have you've got you know a mob of United fans in one part, you've got a mob of Arsenal fans in another part, you've got a mob of people supporting our, our friends across the park in another part. Um, but they only, they only talk to the people that they come to the bar with. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of go to the bar with their friends and they wear their, you know, their United kits or whatever, and they kind of hang out with their friends at the Whereas if you come to Dana Gardens on a match day, especially if it's a derby or it's a, um, you know, like a, a lot of time we get bigger crowds, obviously for the 10 o'clock and the, you know, the 1230 matches than we do for the, for the 730. (laughs) But, but if you come to our pub, it's just, it's a, it's a community of all like-minded individuals. Mm. And if you are not a friend, if you're not our friend, when you first come in, you will be by the time you leave. Yeah. Um, so it's just a different, it's a whole different experience. And you mentioned kind of the connection. You can see it on social media. Isn't it remarkable mm-hmm. how anytime somebody pops up on social media and says something like, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking to choose a club and I'm thinking about Everton. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a, a social media, like nuclear, like bomb goes off. <laughs> Who was the guy and, in Texas? That is one of our fans now. I had, I had one guy who here in Cincinnati who, who did that. And I DM'd him on Twitter and said, um, you do realize that right now you're getting tweets from people in Ireland, yep. people in Australia, 
people in like you know all over England. He's like, what? It's like, yeah, because you said you're going to be an Everton fan. So I said, there's you can't you can't back out of this. Like once you're in, you're in. It's true. Like, I was like, get ready for a few days of everyone bombarding you with Everton information. Just sit back and read it. You won't even have to touch a key. Yep. Like it, it's it's coming. It's <laughs> like, and he messaged me like a day or two later, and he's like, this Everton thing is crazy. <laughs> and I no other club has no other club has that kind of social network or social connection. Yeah, I think it, the guy was mentioning, I think it was, his name was, is it is a guy named James Rodriguez? And people were tweeting at him. He was like, hey, I'm not that guy. And then, <laughs> I'm not the same guy. And now he's like an Everton <laughs> supporter now or something. It's just it's such a <laughs> right. crazy story. So cool. Yeah. Um, and I want to be clear, by the way. Um, if for some reason us being at the top, ta- top of the table ends up getting us more blues who end up being really committed and we be able to, we're able to connect with them, it doesn't make them less of supporters. I want to make sure that, you know, I was just saying that there may be oh. some furrowed oh. brows early on, you know, kind of like you came win. But, you know, right. people, you know, I feel like when you support anybody, you earn your way by, by caring you earn your way by with your support. You earn your way in by by, by giving a shit. You know, it's very, it's, it, it, you know, I, I always like throw them around. I remember I've got a girl I went to school with who tried, tried to tell me she's a Liverpool supporter. And, 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 and she would cheer after a derby. And I was just like, do you know who's on your team? Do you even know who's on your team? It would just piss me off every time. Like, you're just calling me out on right. social media in front of everybody because you like the Beatles and that's why you like Liverpool. And that's only half the story because it doesn't make any sense. You don't even, I, Oh my gosh. It just ticked me off. So little stuff like that, whatever. But I feel like uh, yeah. if I, and I think for us, I think for us, it, it doesn't matter. Like I think yeah, just because, you know, just because Hamas is on the club, like all of a sudden we're, you know, we're Columbia's, we're Columbia's team. And that's great. Um, that's neat. we might we might yeah. joke. About I felt I felt I felt bad one day recently because I made when we were um, top of the table, and uh, I think I made a comment that you know I said, "Well, welcome all the new Everton fans," and uh, pointed out that I was you know I was here for Ashley Williams's entire career, so. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost. <laughs> but then I felt bad. I said, like, "Oh, I hope people don't." I, I, well, and then I thought, well, you know, hopefully people don't take that wrong because, uh, yeah. you know, we, if you're a blue, you're a blue. And yeah, exactly. And and once you become a part of this, you, you'll find out very quickly that, um, you know, we're not here for the, you know, we're not here for the glory. We're, we're here for, for Everton and, and we're here in, and Everton means, you know, is kind of all encompassing. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily just the, you know, we play, you know, one match a week, the last two hours. Well, mm-hmm. we're Evertonians the entire week. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a different experience. And, and I think, I don't think we'll lose that experience. Now I am a little nervous, but, you know, moving into Bramley more and how kind of the mystique of the club might change. And that's fine. Um, you know, that that's the price of, 
progress, right? Um, right. I'm extremely excited about Bramley Moore and everything that that's going to bring to Everton and, and really solidifying our future as a club. And I'm also excited about what the stadium is going to bring to the city of Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, which badly needs a, a boost. Um, but when we move out of Goodison, it'll be, it'll be different. It'd be kind of like the Red Sox moving out of Fenway Park or the Cubs moving out of Wrigley Field yeah. to offer a American baseball reference. But um, so it'll be different, but we'll still be, we'll still be Everton at, at the core. So. Huge fan of your comparing and likening Wrigley to Goodison. For some reason, that just really speaks to me. I'm not, it, yeah, it's just a really good comparison. It, it even feels, it feels the same to me. It just does. Being like tightly compacted into its neighborhood, you mm-hmm. know, you walk around Goodison Park and you feel kind of like you're in Wrigleyville. Now, Wrigleyville mm-hmm. now has changed a lot. But when I was a kid, we didn't have, we didn't have lights and we didn't have the hotel and all the stuff that's there now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels it feels a lot like Wrigley Field. Cool, very cool. Um, the blue seats, like everything, it just it did. It was the eeriest thing. And when I walked up uh, the steps and saw the pitch for the first time, immediately flashed back to the first time my dad took me to Wrigley Field. That's Imme- an awesome feeling. Because oh my the, gosh, because the Wrigley at Wrigley, you also walk. Um, you know, you walk out of the concourse and then you go you go up steps to get to the to the field. Just mm-hmm. like Goodison, we walk down the hallway, you go up the steps to get up to the pitch. And as you come up the steps, you start to see the grass and then you see the stands kind of rise up. I was like, oh my, this is the same <laughs> thing. I was like, I was That's preordained so cool. for this. That's so great. I love <laughs> I didn't it. I know it, but I was preordained. Yeah. <laughs> I so... was chosen. I was chosen. <laughs> oh, love these stories. I. Uh, so, uh, really quick, just to connect Everton to your personality, if you had an Everton player from, Everton, from Everton's history that's like Jeff's personality incarnate, which Everton player is you? Wow. That's a, great, that's a really cool question. That's a really cool question. I, I could I could make it easy and go and say I'm the, you know, I'm the Dixie Dean, of, but I... Or I'm the, yeah, the Kendall Harvey or Ball. Um, you know what? The more, and I don't know how much I can expound on this, but just um, watching his style and, and, and I love his, I love the nickname. Um, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with the Golden Vision. So I'll go with Alex Young. I'll go with the Golden Vision. Wow. So. Okay. Okay. This is. And that's going way back. Were you expecting yeah. something more recent? <laughs> no, no. I want you to go with whatever you feel like links. Because I love the guys perfectly. from the, I love the guys from the 80s. I, I would love to have pints with, with that group. You realize I'm in Could the process imagine? right now of like studying this. Hold on. This is my, this is my <laughs> recent study. I just got this from Tony. Uh, oh, nice. This is this is me studying. I'm I'm doing my homework right now on my my 80s yeah. Everton. So yeah, <laughs> I loved how in the they were talking about going to the uh, to the Chinese restaurant, and that's where they kind of aired their grievances as a club. You know, Everyone should do that. Kindle would take them to the Chinese restaurant, and they would kind of you know you you're, you know you're your shit or whatever and um that's that's how they aired their grievances i would have also been a fly on the wall and and heard those but uh Uh, but yeah that group that that club so jeff 
So Jeff is the golden vision. This is <laughs> the golden vision. <laughs> I like it. Oh, very it's more cool. well it's more of a gray vision but like you know i'll go with join the club on that though man it's right. <laughs> uh, very uh, well, okay the ball with great precision yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. so uh and currently who's your favorite everton player on the squad right now oh wow um wow that's you know that's kind of tough because i don't I kind of look at them collectively as, as Everton. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's an interesting. If, <clears throat> yeah. You know, if, nobody, nobody where you're like that right there. That's my style of player right now on the team. Yeah. Cause like, if I look at when I, when I first started being a fan and the players that I gravitated toward like Tim Cahill, mm-hmm. Mikel Arteta. Um, yeah. It, that, that's a tough question, but I guess I had to pick, I'd go with Richarlison and maybe not as much for the, I'll go with Richarlison and, and, and kind of here's why, not just because of his ability to, to create and score goals, you know, or, or even his, his ability, uncanny ability um, for a player in his position to, to have the willingness to make tackles, mm-hmm. the tenacity to win a ball, but also he, he has like a humility about him on social media. You talk about a charming young guy. Um, he understands what it means to be an Evertonian. Um, yeah. He interacts with the fans so well. So like all encompassing, I'd probably go with, with Richarlison, but, but that's a that's, tough question to answer. You know, it's funny because you wouldn't, if you're a fan of a team, usually people always have a favorite player, right? Yeah. But that's, that kind of I don't. I don't, I don't know the, what my answer is right off the cuff. I've been asking this for yeah. weeks. Jeff. That kind of I don't. Me. I'm like I don't know. I don't okay. Know. Okay. And last question. It's not Everton based, or is it? Um, in what subject are you a secret expert, and can you recommend me anything in that subject? <laughs> um. I am, God, I have a lot of like wide ranging interests, uh-huh. but I am very much a space nerd. Um, I am space big nerd. into, I am big into the search for, um, not, I'm not a, I'm not a UFO alien guy. Mm-hmm. I always have to kind of preface it. I'm not a right. UFO alien guy. I'm more of a kind of interested in the, the planet hunting process um, interested in the search for like microbial life on other planets. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I was watching a show on, I think it might've been the science channel or maybe discovery last night. And I'm sitting there watching the show for an hour <laughs> and they're talking about like, you know, trying to find habitable planets. And that would be a cool show. That yeah. would be a cool show. I would love that. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a major, yeah. Major space nerd. Um, and then a, a huge, huge music, music buff. So. Okay. So space nerd or music buff right now. Okay. What's the space nerd show you were watching really quick. I need to write this down. What was that? Um, how the universe works. Oh. It's a really good, this particular um, episode was, was just dealt with trying to find uh 
evidence of life on, on other planets, but how the universe works is outstanding show. It's usually an hour long, I think. Mm -hmm. And they talk about um, planet formation and black holes. And okay. That would be cool. Really, yeah. yeah. It's all, it's great nerdy. It's, it's top drawer nerdy stuff. I, I'm down with watching a little bit of that. That's that sounds pretty cool. And since you're a music buff, give me an album. <laughs> give me an album really quick. I haven't heard of. Give me something I that can you explore. haven't heard of. Yeah, if you're wow. the you're if you're a nerd, chances are well, I haven't heard of it. I mean, music buff. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite Liverpool bands uh, that I've actually gotten to know their drummer Neil Lawson is a blue. He's an Evertonian. Um, the rest of the band are, you know, fans of our neighbors across the park. We won't talk about that. Gotcha. But uh, the band name is Red Rum Club. And a lot of people watching this probably will have heard of them. Cool. If they're from Liverpool or exposed to them. But um, they have a new album out called The Hollow of Humdrum. And it is outstanding. I'm on it. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good stuff. All right. So I've got more ways of enriching my life. Thank you, Jeff. All right. All right we're going to move on. Happy to, help. Happy to help out. I appreciate that, man. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> we got to talk Man United. Sadly, uh, it happened. Uh, so uh, spoiler alert, if you, if you for some reason have been living under a patch of moss since Saturday, uh, yeah, here's what happened. 2-1 loss. We lost. Um, no, three one loss. Gosh, it felt like two one though. Gosh, it was two one. <laughs> two one. I agree with Jeff. Cavani <laughs> never happened. Uh, so, uh, so Jeff, really quick, some talking points, um, and and you pick where you want to start. Uh, number one, your man of the match, who you felt like had a good game. Number two, Bernard's co combine combinations and how well he combines with Luca Dean. If you feel like that's worth worth talking about. Number three, the gap between Holgate and Keene, both literal and possible communication-wise. Uh, next, the lack of dangerous opportunities. Um, and anything else that might strike your fancy. So hopefully I've got your brain going. Where do you want to start? Um, we can start with Bernard and Dean. Um, I thought that that was uh, a really you know dynamic combination uh, on on the left and mm -hmm. it was there for a great deal of the of the first half right, right. and then it kind of yeah. i mean they, they they we weren't able to you know to really capitalize on well you know bernard had the goal right. um it, it's interesting bernard's interesting um because I, I don't know where he I don't know where he fits long term um, on the club. Uh, I know that depth is something that we badly need. Of course, that's mm -hmm. been very very evident the past three matches. Um, but uh, I think he has a lot to offer. But I think he also has a lot to offer another club that's going to give him um, you know more playing time. And obviously, we need flexibility. Uh, financially to um, to to fill the needs that we that we need as well, but but I thought that link up was was outstanding. Um, mm -hmm. I wish we could have uh, you know created or, or 
took in better, taken better advantage of that. We get that combination a lot with the two of them coming up the wing, and it usually leads to a Luka Dean cross. Um, and I know last season, a lot of times we were running 4-4-2. So a lot of times we had two people in the box for those crosses, right? And this time it wasn't that as much. Although I will say Calvert Lewin uh, was really good in the air as far as winning 50-50s during the game. Um, he actually sort of got an assist mm-hmm. on winning that winning that uh, goal kick off of Pickford straight up route one uh, going to Bernard. Um, right. It's just a strange thing, Bernard. It's like you see – you look at his work with Luca Dean and you're kind of like in theory, you're like, okay, well, he brings something different to Richarlison. Shouldn't he be a, a nice gear shift if for some reason we want to go a different direction – let Richardson, uh, you know, sub, and then you bring in Bernard, who brings something different. But almost like if we do that, we need to bring in someone like Richardson on the opposite side. You know what I mean? And so it's like because we got Hamas on the right, who is a straight-up playmaker, and we need almost need someone kind of crashing in who's got more speed that can kept, kind of help win those Luka Dean crosses if we need it. It's just, it's just kind of a weird. You're right, Bernard's a conundrum. I don't get it. I think I get the the impression that Carlo has, as I think a lot of people do, um, but he's he's had ample time to to prove that he's a he's certainly a capable player in 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 the Premier League. But you get the impression that Carlo doesn't believe that that physically um, that he that he can handle. I, you just, you look at, you look at the opportunities that he's gotten, which is few and far between and in situations where you would expect him um, to get opportunities. He's not. So I don't know if uh, Carlo has reservations about, you know, what, what he can handle and how much he can contribute right. um, physically. He's off, obviously has the pace and he's very skilled with the ball. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, kind of where where he lands and and mm. and honestly how long he's with he's with Everton. Yeah. He's a player I I like but and I've been excited about him since we got him and I felt like that first year he was really forging a really nice partnership with Luca Dean on the left and it was just really fun to watch develop um but formations having to shift and different things happening and injuries happen and and just mm-hmm. things have changed. And this season's formation change has not been great for Bernard. And especially Richarlison kind of taking up his older position of that left forward. Um, it just changes some things. It's, it's a tough one because I think he was one of, the, one of our strongest contributors in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, no question. Weird match. All right. Where do you want to go? Uh, what were other choices um you, if you want to go through who your man of the match was if you want to talk about the disconnect the gap between holgate and Keane, um how what you feel like maybe at fault for us not having a lot of really dangerous opportunities or if you've got something where you're just like hmm, you haven't mentioned this jerry <laughs> well i think if uh, I kind of feel like going maybe a little bigger picture. And when I say big picture, mm. I just mean the last three matches. Um, look, my, my fear going into going into 
to uh, the Derby is not as much whether we're going to win or lose or what's going to occur within that, that game. It's, it's how that match is going to impact us mm. the following week. It's a good point. Now, coming out of that match, I really should have been concerned about how it was going to affect us for the next three weeks. Um, because through this past match against United, we were still feeling the ramifications of the Derby. We have a Jaramaz Rodriguez who's not fully fit, and we have a Richarlison who is out. Mm-hmm. And you know, Hamas got hurt in the Derby. Richarlison got suspended. Um, we went through the Pickford thing. Um, there's no way to know how that was maybe um, impacting him. Obviously, we know it was to some extent because he sat the one match. Um, but we also don't know how it impacted the rest of the club. Um, we've been dealing with Derby fallout, and I hate to say that, for the last three matches. And mm-hmm. you never want that to happen, but we see it happen in rivalry games in all sports. Um, you just, you play 38 matches. We only play them twice. And I know it's important. And, and I know we want to beat them more than we want to beat anyone else. Um, But you can't let it impact you because you play 38 matches. And we've been dealing with the fallout of that match for for the last three weeks. And that's frustrating to me. I get it. I guess my question is, uh, a lot of times this stuff is psychological, you know, kind of, you know, it's a bit of a hit. It's your first non-win the season. Um, but also there's a lot of other stuff that hits psychologically, but also there's the fact that, you know, we're not a deep squad. Right. And pretty much if we have anything that is damaging like psychologically or injury wise for us to be able to overcome that, it's going to be hard when we, when mm-hmm. Luca Dean's out. Yeah. I mean, Luca Dean, uh, that was the next game. Obviously he got the red card. Right. And, right. Uh, and we had Nkunku come in, but he's young. He's young, you know. We had uh, Pickford out for a game, and it wasn't immediately after that, but uh, he had some psychological stuff going on, I'm sure. Richarlison being out, Thomas Rodriguez being injured, who's replacing those guys? We don't know. You right. know what I mean? And so there's just – there's a lot of – we're just not a deep squad. And yep. uh, a derby is going to every time – have that psychological and and physical impact. It's going to be both, right? It's going to be the the chippiest game you play, or it should be, one would think. The the chippiest, snidiest game you play all year uh, is the derby, and it's going to be the one that the most emotionally wrenching, right? And so it's how you recover yep. from that, both depth and personally and all that. It's a lot. So uh, I guess – is it, do you feel like it's, it is I, I went into that psych- match. Yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You're, you're, you're rolling. I don't want to mess that up. <laughs> yeah, I went. Oh no, no, that's fine. Your, your video kind of oh, okay. <laughs> paused for a little bit. So um, I was just going to say that I went in, I went into the Derby and I wasn't my primary concern going into that match. Don't get anybody sent off. Yeah. Don't, don't lose any, and don't lose anyone. 
and we ended up losing Richarlison. Mm-hmm. And there's been a talk about a lot of talk about, um, and we'll, we'll talk about Anthony Gordon in a bit, but mm-hmm. we were talking a lot about Richarlison and, and, and what, what we miss with him and why a small sample size, but it's gotten a lot of attention, eight matches, and we've lost them all uh, in, in, when he hasn't played. Um, there's been a lot of focus on what he brings offensively and what we missed offensively with him not being in there. I don't think there's been as much talk about what we missed defensively not having him in there because he does things that so few players in his position would do. He's Mm -hmm. willing to make a tackle risky at times. He's, he's tenacious at winning the ball back. He brings an energy and a passion to the game that is infectious and impacts every other player on the pitch. You can't, I don't know how we replace him, but we need to figure out how we're going to replace him either with a player who is on the club now or with a player that we bring in because his style also lends him to injury. It also lends him to cards and he, he's a guy that every time he goes out there, he's at risk of missing a game or two yeah. or three. You have to have some insurance for Rich Arlison. And I don't know, you can't replace him like for like. And I think Carlo might've said that. He's like, you know, it's impossible to replace him. I think he might've used the word impossible um, because mm-hmm. of all the things he does. It would be different if he was just, you know, a goal scorer or he was, but he, he, his impact on the club, that one guy, it's, it's immense. I don't know how yeah. you, re- I don't know how you replace him. Um, but obviously the, the popular choice is Anthony Gordon. Um, right. And I don't, I don't deny that. Um, but I also wonder, kind of like Bernard, um, if Carlo Ancelotti isn't bringing you in when you think he should, It's re it's real hard and and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go sport and I'm I'm kind of I keep kind of taking us into the Anthony Gordon. I don't even know if we were we were ready to do that, but I, <laughs> I'm running my own show here. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> do what you gotta but, do, it'll be all right. <laughs> but in my it kind of in my experience, you know, covering sports as a journalist, you, there are always players on every team and every sport where you think, man, when this guy gets in, he's great. So why doesn't he play all the time? And it's difficult because sometimes a coach or manager will tell you most times they won't because they'll, they'll keep that private. And unless you were at practice or at training, which, you know, in England, they're, they're not, you know, everyone who's speculating, obviously the fans are in a training, but neither are, neither is the media. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what is happening um, Sunday to Friday with Anthony Gordon right. and the things that are expected of him from Carlo Ancelotti. And it's easy for fans to say, but they're, they're easy for fans to say, put him in there. But there are a lot of reasons why managers in every sport um, play one guy over another. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that that we will never, we may never have visibility to. And obviously, Carlo Ancelotti has forgot more about football than 
you know, almost anyone <laughs> yeah. knows. Um, but I watch Anthony Gordon play and sure, I, I see, I see a like replacement. I also see a young guy who probably needs, a, a, who needs an opportunity. I don't know how it benefits him to not get those chances to play, but um but that's a difficult thing because that has to be a priority. Um, finding finding somebody to be insurance for Richarlison, and if it's Anthony Gordon, that's fine. Uh, but if it's not Anthony Gordon, then we need to be looking. That needs to be that just needs to be a priority, and you need to look elsewhere because that's going to be important. As we've seen, Richarlison, you you can't have one guy go down and see the impact now these last three matches, we've had a lot of other stuff going on. I mean, the, the injuries have been through the roof. Um, we had the Pickford thing. We had two red know, cards, not yeah. Hamez missing a match, but Hamez also not being a hundred percent fit. Um, so we've had a lot of things going on and we played a Southampton team that was flying high. We played a United team that had to win I would argue they needed that win more than we did. Mm. I hate to say that, but. Um, I think you can, though. I think yeah. you can say that. I mean, really. They they had a manager who's more up against the wall. Um, I made the classic mistake of joking about, oh, the biggest threat they have is Fernandez at the penalty line. Ha, ha, ha. And then he scores two goals not from penalties. And I'm like, oh, you, you jinx. Way to go, Jerry. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and um, so want to get back to Gordon later because I do think there's more to say about Gordon. Um, mm-hmm. I do think there's more to, to talk about with him. Um, but now that we brought it back around to the, to the United um, and how – it was a situation where we didn't create a lot without with Charles. And if we don't, in a situation like this, where we, we're, we're not doing a like-for-like replacement with Charles in the match, is there a way? It seems like the plan is not to like-for-like replace him in these type of games. It seems like the plan is to figure out how to somehow replace the attacking opportunities um, right. But we're, we still have not figured out chemistry-wise. We haven't figured out how to do that. And we also, every single week, it seems like, we're having some problems defensively in having a different combination of back four. Like this week, we had Keane playing at a different center half role, Holgate coming in, all right, mm-hmm. who hasn't played for a while. And right. I think we did suffer from, you know, the fact – I mean, they got split for two – for you know, they got split twice – Okay, even though Rashford didn't get the head on the second one, let's be honest. It Pickford, Pickford. If if Radford had got a Rashford had got a head on it, it still would have gone in. But those, it's they they were split. They were split easily, and that's an that's a communication issue. That's on one of those guys. Now I would also uh, make a call on that one that Coleman probably should have covered up the no. Uh, the first goal, Coleman should have covered up the cross, right? Charles Cross. Coleman could have done a better job of closing down that cross. Um, but it's a situation where I feel like our, our – I don't know if our attack is 
is the entire problem right now. Uh, I think if we stay strong defensively, I mean, that's, we get a win on that one, right? Um, I think that Carlo, I, it certainly appeared against Newcastle. Of course, they get the penalty, but I think against Newcastle, he was looking, he was looking to just get a, he's looking to get a result. Yeah. And going into that match, I thought if we come away with a zero zero draw, I would take that. <laughs> I would take that result all day uh, because of the situation that the roster was in. Um, but yeah, you, against United, so you had Hamas coming back off injury, right? Coleman coming back off injury, uh, Holgate coming back off injury. Now they had trained, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, Coleman had Coleman had a bad day. I mean, Coleman. I don't think Coleman had a good day. And I, I was really I was borderline about Coleman because sometimes they would like dazzle offensively, and I was like, "Wow, there's a player trying to take people on one v one. That's right. crazy. None of us, and we never do that." So I was like, "Wow, that's great." But then he would kind of make a mental lapse here or there. Right. So. I was kind of divided about him. And we were all excited to see Holgate back in, but the more I watched, the more I thought, was he ready to come back in? Yeah. Um, And I didn't notice, I didn't notice, James was so apparent those first few matches. It was so obvious that everything was getting created through him. Mm-hmm. Now maybe it's because we all eyes were on him, but I, I think it was, and and I didn't. He was he was not apparent. He was not a, as as part a part of the match. And I wonder if clubs can just, especially with Richarlison not in there, if you can just decide we're not going to allow this guy to create. We're we're taking him out. We're taking him out of the equation. Yeah. Then what do you do? See, that's actually what I thought you were leading to is the fact that, I mean, do they want us to play up the left? Do they want us to play through, you know, through Bernard? And I mm-hmm. mean, because how many times did you see Hamas with the ball near the box? Right. Rarely, right? You saw him getting the ball just past midfield, couldn't do much, and he would play usually a beautiful cross-field ball to someone just on a just perfect – but at the same time, it's like, what happened after that? And you didn't really see him doing a lot near the box at all. It's almost like they were, they wanted it on that side. They wanted it over there. And, they, and then when we would cross the ball in, inevitably, we, we didn't really have many numbers in there. Um, and they have, you know, and they cleared it out pretty easily, usually. Um, so, yeah, it was weird, man. It was a weird, weird game. Um, but our, I do think our, our defense, our defense could use some stability, you know, some weekends some week out, let's get used to each other again, type of stability. Even during that good, that good start to the season, I think we were all saying, um, you know, this is great, but we're leaking a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's fine if you're scoring four or five a game, but yeah. Then all of a sudden, you know, you've you've got the injuries and you're not you're not creating as many chances and uh and then you're in you know then you're in trouble. But uh 
Yeah, I was excited to see Holgate back in there, but it, it didn't Me look too. like he was yeah, ready to yeah. be back. Yeah, it looked like they just could use a little bit more uh, refinement on the defensive partnership, um, communicating, knowing where to be, knowing who's around you, being able to, to lock that kind of stuff down. I think um, the break is coming at a good. It's yes. coming at a good time. Agreed. Um, you know, I don't. I don't like going into breaks. You never like going into a break off a loss, or certainly mm-hmm. off three straight losses. Um, and it feels like we're in this position often, but we always seem to have that match coming out of the break that you think, okay, well that's a match we should win, but. What if we don't? And yeah. where, where will we be if we, that's four straight, yeah. a loss of Fulham, you know, if we drop into the bottom half. Like, so you, you have two weeks to, to fret. You know, yeah. we went from, you know, top of the world to now we're worried about Fulham. So, yeah, um, but that's right. life. That's life as an Evertonian. So yeah, right now I'm but just I like, get back healthy. Get back healthy, guys. Come it, on it back. It would be... My 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 feeling right now, and I'm a glass half full guy. I've always been a glass half full guy. So social media does not do well with me because I'm just social media is not glass half full most of the time. Um, yeah. I'm glad I have my my um, my my mates from the County Road Bobblers because they're they're typically glass half full. <laughs> nice. I've made a lot of other negativity. They tend to be voices of reason, but. Um, this was not a normal three matches. So I'm hanging my hat on that. Nothing. This was not, it'd be one thing if you had everybody healthy and we're, we're in a three game slide and we're, we're looking for answers. Um, We know what the answers are. We need to get Richarlison back in there um, and get the guys that were hurt back to a hundred percent fitness, James, Coleman, Holgate, and, and Carlos got a couple weeks uh, to come up with some some solutions, and you go out and you get three points against Fulham, and you're back. You know you're fifth or sixth, and all of a sudden all your you know your goals are right in front of you. And I've been saying since the beginning of the year, our goal is top six. It's been top six since the start of the season. We need to get back to Europe. That's a rightful place. Anything above and beyond that, that's fine. We're allowed to dream. Um, and we were dreaming after that fast start, but yeah. our goal is top six. All of our goals are right there for us. The top four is wide open. So it, we're not out of the running for anything right now. Right. Um, we're only eight matches in. And so that's my, that's my motivational, <laughs> my motivational <laughs> uplifting speech for the day. <laughs> well, and the thing that I keep telling myself is we're still building a squad as well. There's going to come a time next year where we drop a player and we'll have somebody that comes off the bench who slides right in, you know, and it's not going to be as big a deal as it felt like it was this little stretch. We're still building. Yeah. I feel like there will be, there will be some additions uh, in January. I've seen, you know, some of the rumors and obviously you can only get so much done in January, but you can bring in an important piece. And I think the next window is obviously going to be a window of, some more attrition, but it's going to be also a window where we need to establish depth. We, 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 there's a foundation for the squad that's built. Um, but you have to build depth and in order to build depth, there's going to have to be some attrition. 
And that's what the focus is going to be in the next in the next window. Um, but we're fine. I'm excited about what's going to come in these next 30 matches. So as excited as I've been ever, I mean, really at, at any other point in my life as an Evertonian, to be very honest. I, my entire family is ecstatic right now, despite a little slide. Just saying. <laughs> and I think the perspective of this is not a typical three games is, yeah, that's, I think that's a very lucid point. I think we need to keep that in mind. All right. Um, so, yeah. Anything else on United result? No, I'm let's just move card. on from United. <laughs> All right. I'm going to throw this card. We can never discuss it again. All right. There you go. Boom. Not a Burn good throw. Gosh, even. There we go. Got to <laughs> go over the monitor. All right. So, mailbag. We're going to give some short Thoughtful answers. I mean, Jeff will give thoughtful answers. Mine will probably be ludicrous. But uh, let's let's see what we can do. This one's actually for you, specifically for you. What? It's it's from Everton, Chicago. I think this uh, this seems like a very Tony question. Uh, <laughs> He's setting me up. Setting uh, me up. Nah. So. <laughs> He says, what does Jeff... Tony wouldn't do that. Go ahead. <laughs> he says, what does Jeff think uh, about opportunities for the club and fan club network to grow in North America? Wow. Um, well, I was going to say, I don't know. We, this can't be... I realize you could probably talk about this for about three hours. I, I feel this like is a could. show. It's, yeah. yeah. This, is its own, this is its own show. Um, but... I, I do like um, the commitment that the club is making to do that. Um, and there's been a lot of outreach, I know, to, uh, to, to, to North America um, and particularly the, the United States to, to help facilitate that growth. Um, look, like I was talking about Cincinnati Toffees earlier, that's a similar story to all the supporters groups in the U.S. We've, we've been doing this largely on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton USA, completely grassroots organization. Um, the supporters groups all over the country here are, are all grassroots. Uh, we've started this from, from nothing and then, you know, built membership kind of on our own. Um, did our own networking and it's not that the club didn't hasn't helped at all but we're seeing now a commitment to doing that and, and what Tony Sampson's involved in and um, and we've got the fan engagement team and uh, and there's been a lot of communication and a lot of feedback going back and forth between the club and the supporters groups uh, in the U.S. about ways to grow the membership and um, grow the support because the the club the club can only benefit from this whether it be merchandising whether let's be honest the city of Liverpool has a stake as well because we're talking tourism right. as well um, so it's a good thing for for all concerned and also I'll throw out. Um, Everton in the community. I know mm. the Cincinnati Toffees. We we've done a, a few. We've had a few initiatives where we've we've raffled off things or raised money for Everton in the community. 
um, that, and that money goes directly to them and to and benefits their ventures. So we're all kind of, you know, kind of in this together. And um, I, I think it's going to, it's getting stronger. It's going to continue to build. Um, I've always said, I love, I love that Everton is a very provincial club. Um, that's one of the things that drew me to them that they are, they are Liverpool's club, Liverpool's first club and what it means to the people that, um, you know, that, that grew up there and live there. Um, but um, there are a lot of people around the world that love Everton too. And I think it's great that they're, the club is now reaching out and kind of helping to perpetuate that. And maybe the result will be a preseason tour uh, in the U S um, haven't had one in a while. Hint, no hint. <laughs> I know yeah. they were trying, it sounded like they were, it sounds like they were trying to get something done. And then of course yeah. COVID hit. So once we come out of the pandemic, uh, maybe they'll make that a reality. Yeah. yeah there's nothing, nothing wrong with uh, coming over and playing, uh, playing somebody here at uh, Wake Forest University here in Winston-Salem, you know, nothing wrong with uh <laughs> Don't don't make me go all over the country to see you, Everton. It would be so expensive. Somebody asked me, uh, kind of in the in the reverse. Somebody asked me, well, "What's the first thing you're gonna do when like COVID? Like if COVID went away today, what's the first thing you do?" And I was like, "Well, I book a plane flight to to Liverpool." So um, I'm hoping for next year. Fingers crossed for my first yeah, time next fingers year. Fingers crossed. So let's get the, uh, you know, let's get the fans back to Goodison. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they certainly uh, deserve to be there. And once it's safe, the moment it's safe, uh, I want to see that sea of blue again at Goodison Park. Oh, yeah. Wanna... Uh, yeah. You want to hear the, uh, the real, the real uh, shouts at the referee instead of the uh, canned ones uh, right. it's, <laughs> um very good very good stuff so this next person i can't even read my own writing mark keaton 112 i think that's the person's name america's best or everton's best american signing everton's best american signing um well i mean are you going to go there? Tim Howard. Are you going there? I mean, I knew you'd go there. Yeah. That's probably where I would go. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would obviously have to be Tim Howard, but man, Landon Donovan was magic. For <laughs> yeah. A hot little minute, right? <laughs> he was magic. <laughs> um, he was magic there for a short while, but yeah, Tim Howard and, and not just what he did in goal, obviously, but we talked about a little bit earlier, just how he, he embraced, um, it's amazing. You re- you read his, I've got his book right behind me, but you read it right over there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the chapter where he talks about Everton and you get, you get chills and mm-hmm. you have to remind yourself, this is an American yeah. player talking about Everton. Um, I mean, that club, that club grabbed him and he um, he's embraced the club and he's been such an ambassador for Everton. And he, I just, Every time he talks about Everton, you can almost see kind of his, the way he kind of glows mm. when he talks about the fans and he talks about Goodison Park. So, I feel like so, you know yeah. it's burning him up whenever we're playing poorly and he's doing – he's like having to do commentary and talk to Rebecca Lowe about <laughs> how poorly we're playing. You know it's burning him yeah. up. <laughs> I watched the video of his uh, 
I don't know if anybody else does this, but I just watch like, it just helps me feel better. I just go watch like old videos of a, like I watched the Nikita Yelovich with the video where it shows like all of his Premier League goals. I just watch, I just sit there and watch. Those are, we, we watch those as a family for, to, yeah. just because we, we like that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Every goal that Nikita Yelovich scores, I just, you know, sit there and watch it. But, um, awesome. that's, but oh, that's the, cool. uh, the goal that, uh, the goal that Tim Howard scored on the, that crazy windy day, I watch that video every once in a while. And he's actually really like humble about that. He's kind of like, gosh, I felt so bad for the other keeper. You know, yeah. like he came from that angle and it's like, good for you, Tim. Jeez. Right. I don't think, I don't think, uh, yeah, Rooney felt bad for Joe Hart though when he scored the one. <laughs> but uh, I watch that, I watch that occasionally too. But, uh, but I like watching Tim Howard's wind blown goal at Goodison. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's good stuff. Very cool. So, uh, so you're not going with uh, Joe Max Moore, no Landon Donovan, no Brian McBride. And do we count? Hey, hold on. Does Precky count? Mm. Oh, I, mean, I wasn't sure if Precky counted. I, th- I thought he came from uh, – I-, I just wasn't sure. I was like, I-, I-, I wasn't sure. So it's one of those things I was like, I wonder, knowing Jeff – going going old school with some of these like will he go pricky i was really curious love school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah love old school all right so next amy davies 61 what's your opinion on how the season's gone so far well i think i mean i don't like i don't like looking at a sitting seventh but the reality of the situation is you know every club is everything is up for grabs this year. It's so wide open. Um, Mm -hmm. If you told me, if you told me at the start of the season, this is where we would be. What are we three or five points off top or at this point? I'm not sure this. I know we're sitting seven, but we're we're maybe three points out of of champions league spot. Mm -hmm. Um, If you told me at the start of the season that this is where we would be after eight matches, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fret too much. Mm-hmm. I would, I would feel actually pretty decent about it. Sports is funny cause it's all about perspective, right? It's yeah. about your current form. So if you like, you know, if you look at where you are and you're, you don't feel good about it because you've lost the last three matches and you were top of the league. But if at the start of the season, somebody said you'd be sitting seventh and you'd be within, you know, a win of a champions league spot, you right. would probably be okay with it considering you know, all the, all the new faces that had come in and you knew there would be some improvement and, mm-hmm. and that would be an improvement. So I feel encouraged because we saw this team play for, um, and I'll even count, I'll even count the Derby um, to an extent. Um, you saw during that unbeaten streak, what this club can do. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, just need time to, to improve things. And, and, you know, this scene, this season is not a be all end all. Um, as we talked about, this is a process right. and we know we need to build more depth into the squad. We have more attrition that needs to take place. Um, but, uh, but I'm excited. I think this club intact can really make a, a serious run at some point. And um, I was talking to somebody the other day where I said that I thought that, you know, in January, I could see this club really going on a crazy roll. Um, mm. The December fixture load is is a little is a little rough. Yeah. Um, but um, I could see in January or February, 
them really going on a roll. The key is just stay within striking distance of your goals. And, uh, and I think they will be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, depth has always been my biggest concern with this season. Um, you know, and the hope is we can get a little bit more in, in January. Um, speaking of which, um, Michael bone one besides center mid and goalkeeper center mid. I can't be necessarily right. Maybe they mean – I'm wondering which center mid position they're talking about that Michael was talking about. Besides center mid and goalkeeper, what positions do we need? I'm a little hesitant that we need center mid at the moment. I'll say that. Maybe he's talking about an attacking center mid. You know, maybe he's thinking like that um, right. and thinking that we need someone to replace the uh, gomez Sigurdsson situation. Maybe that's what he's that, – maybe that's what yeah. Michael's thinking. Um, yeah. And there's a backup question to that as well about our defensive organization that we can hit on in a second. But uh, what other positions do you feel like really quickly you feel like need a little, little bit of bolstering? Um, I'm still not sure on the goalkeeper. I, I, I think we do need some, we need some insurance there, but uh, that's maybe that's, Maybe Pickford's his whole show as well. <laughs> we need to set aside an entire show to talk about Jordan Pickford. But, uh, Good point. Pickford is is um, uh, yeah, that's a deep conversation. It could go a lot of places. <laughs> I think, and I hate to because I, I think you know Chang Tosin's a quality player, but that that's kind of what we're talking about, right? We have we have Gilfie Sigurdsson on the books. We have Chang Tosin on the books. Um, Andre Gomes has been, you know, Andre Gomes has been really good. He, he had the injury really a, a kind of abruptly paused what I thought was, um, <clears throat> really having, a you know, an outstanding season. And I thought mm-hmm. he came back and played well, um, at, at a few points after the, after the injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you have to figure you, you need, Chang Tosin can't be your your solution off the bench. No, um, I don't think he's meant to be. By the way, I think that's the way. No, no, the I think that's just the reality of the yeah. right the reality reality of the situation. Um, and you know, Gilfrey Sigurdsson is an interesting one as well because I I'm inclined <laughs> to say, well, that needs to be part of the you know the attrition, although it might be difficult um, mm-hmm. to move him. Um, but uh, Carlos seemed to have an affinity, um, have an affinity for him, right. um, judging by you know how he uses him. So yeah. um, I just don't. I, I really look at a specific position. I think I think we need depth at all positions. Um, I, that might be kind of a kind of a cop out answer, but I think it's I think it's factual though. Um, I think our starting eleven is is strong. Everybody healthy. I, I think I think we have a really good club. It's it just goes back to to depth. We need depth at uh, depth at every position and quality depth. Um, now, how yeah. you that's where it gets difficult though because that's a tough sell. Um, we're we're not yet to the point of, of a club, which I as a club, and I think this kind of speaks to why it's so important for us to get back to Europe this year um, and, and kind of start there. But 
it's kind of a tough sell for a quality player to say, okay, you're a depth piece at Everton. Yeah, totally so, true, which is why I think Keane's not with our club right now. Because I think if, if Moise Keane was cool with coming off the bench, he'd be here. And he would not be on loan with PSG. I think if he was cool with yeah. working his way through. But he's I better. Think. Yeah. But he's better off. He's better off being there. And he's and we're better off with him being there. I, I love. Maybe in the long run, financially. Yeah. Um, I just, I was hoping. I love the idea of being able to just throw him in there, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one of those things that I. Because yeah. I, I, we're, we're talking, we're calling out for some striker help right now. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, one of those things. I'm wondering if we move Jink Tosin along, is striker a situation? Um, if we move John Joe Kenny right now, I feel like we're charging a lot for him. Um, but if we move John Joe Kenny on, we, we do need a right-back assessment. Coleman's older. We need to feel really warm and fuzzy about whoever's backing him up. Uh, the goalkeeper right. then, by the way, for January, I don't think we need a goalkeeper. I'm thinking more like in May. So if mm-hmm. Robin Olsen moves back, if, if right. we choose not to – by the way, he looked great, by the way, the other day. Olsen looked great. <laughs> I um, thought so. Yeah. That was cool. So I'd be yeah. – if he ends up being a keeper we bring in uh, in May on the, on the permanent side, if he ends up having a good – hey, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's a, and he's a different feel to Pickford. Yeah. And I feel like he's just a, a veteran, and he's level-headed, it seems. Yeah. And I, I try not to get too – too enamored with uh, uh, with the U23s yeah. um, because you the reality is is that you you don't really know you can watch these guys play you don't really know how that translates to to the Premier League but Ellis Sims man <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know yeah. he's he's the one guy that you look at and you think. Um, you know, maybe he's he's earned a, he's earned a shot here or there. Um, but uh, but yeah. Hmm. So there's definitely some positions. Uh, I I wonder how many of these positions of uh, uh, we we're not very deep. Uh, will we actually be assessing or addressing in January? Um, I'm really curious about that. Uh, I feel like if anything, we're getting some loans. I'm just curious yeah. who's going to be willing yeah. to loan us. I think a loan with an obligation to buy later um, mm-hmm. could be interesting the way they're talking about with Disco, if that's actually a thing. If that, I mean, who, who knows? We don't know. Yeah. The unicorn hasn't walked through the door to where and, and dropped no. ITK, blessed ITK knowledge. <laughs> so when the unicorn strolls through, we shall, we shall find out. Um, yeah, I've bought anyway. into the whole Isco. Thing. It's like we're getting we're getting Isco in January. I'm, I'm I've been a Isco <laughs> fan for like forever. So if we get him, and I've been like Thomas Rodriguez fan for a long time. So if we get him too, I'm just like melting. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs> well, Times Square needs to get the. Do they have the the art yet for Isco January? <laughs> <laughs> get, him uh, on the, get him on the boat in Miami. Get him on the sign on the boat in Miami. Oh man, I'd be so <laughs> fine with that. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Michael Bones' other question was, why is our defense unorganized now after the international break? And I think we've addressed this already. Um, number one, we had uh, one of the, we had a red card in the middle of that. Um, mm-hmm. That happened. 
Number two, we had uh, an injury in the middle of that. And number mm-hmm. three, we had a center back pairing slide in in the most recent match. Uh, Keen had been playing left center back for like the whole season. And now he mm-hmm. pops over to the right and we bring in Holgate, who hasn't played with him for a while. So right. I think it's there's very logical reasons for them not to be organized. It's just a yeah. all, forever, a perpetually shifting personnel uh, we need some stability there, and I think we'll see the organization. You know, you want like little things to change. Uh, you know, every few weeks rather than every week, right? Right. And we talked we talked earlier about uh, you know tactics and not really my my strong suit, but they. I think you could see though in those first few matches that we were winning um, that you know we love the new the new dynamic. Everton, the new attacking Everton, right? But are we sacrificing? Are we are we are we sacrificing some shape in the back? Um, with that, mm. and and just getting ourselves exposed at times. Um, and we did miss Holgate, obviously, because he brings you know that that athleticism and that. Um, that ability that you know, mm. that, um, you know our other guys probably don't have but right. um, so I don't know I don't know if it's a personnel thing if it's a, if it's a style thing if it's just uh, um, because it's it's really gone on it's really gone on all season because mm-hmm. we've been giving up goals right um, since the start of the year so it's not like it's unique to the last three matches Um but it might have been – it's a little different maybe the reason why we're giving up – we gave up goals in the last three matches is the circumstances are different than they were in the first right. the first five. But the fact is we're, we're giving up goals. We're giving up too many goals, and we have since the start of the year. Right. So Carl is going to have to find some solutions to that. Mm, yeah. Um, I'll be psyched to see uh, our, our normal starters – and some, some, uh, and the maybe the exact same defensive starters returning for the next match to start getting well, getting that consistency, only, right? Yeah, you know, you've got Ben Godfrey getting fit, Jeepamine. Hey, that's a whole different world. Is oh my gosh, my kid's been asking about. Uh, he, by the way, I think he said you could say his name three different ways. You say it a different way than I do. But you're yeah. right too. So I'm not correcting when I say gabamine. I'm just saying that's the way I say it to my kid. But right. uh, so we know we're both right here. But but uh, that's a whole. Di- my kid asked me, "What's going on with gabamine?" And I'm like, "Well, I, we've all, I've always been under, under the impression sometime in November. So anytime now, maybe. So right. so yeah, be be cool to see. That's a whole different world. We got him to fit. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm pulling hard for that guy. How many injury setbacks has he had? Holy <laughs> crap. Um, yeah. So, um, Everton dot Tunnel, maybe it's Tunnel, Tunnel, asks, is Keane worth recalling in January? I, uh, I, I think he could help the team, but I'm going to say no, because I think he's where he wants to be right now, and his attitude <laughs> is going to be much better where he is. So, that's, yeah, that's yeah, that's my opinion. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. I think 
this is a good thing for Everton. And we'll see how it plays out. Um, but this is a good thing for Moise Keane. And it's a good thing for Everton. And he's still a very young player. Um, but seeing what he's doing there is it's just, it's really encouraging for me. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he's not coming back. He might not be, you know, but it, which, which, which could be good he for us financially. Right. But if, he, but if he does, he's going to come back a better player, a more polished player, and above all, a much more confident player. And that's the point of a loan, especially <laughs> for a young guy, right? That's the whole reason you I do sh- it. I just wish he'd go to a club he wouldn't fall in love with, though. Put him on what? PSG. He's just spoiled. <laughs> he ain't going to want to come back anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, geez, because uh, I still have hopes he's going to play for us again. I really do. Me too. Uh, Me too. You know, I think I, he's a, yeah, I think he's a, he's a good, he's a good young man. I, I love his, I love his personality. I love his energy. Um, I think he, I think he'd be great here. And I, I want to see him, I want to see him reach his peak with Everton, mm-hmm. but we all understand the reality that that might not be the case, but, uh, but he's where he needs to be. And if he is going to come back, if he does come back to Everton and he does well, mm-hmm. this loan spell is going to be, you could credit this loan spell as to ha- why that all kind of yeah. worked out. So oh, yeah. soon as I heard about it, I was, I had a positive reaction to it because I was like, think about it. Think about how many games PSG is going to be ahead and being able to put in whoever they want. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they could, they could play him a ton of, ton of games and he could end up getting tons of chances to be in front of the goal being played brilliant balls uh and he could be building confidence because that's a big part man just being confident in front of the goal getting used to it you know that's a big thing so his first goal from last season was still probably my highlight of last season (laughs) well that and the walcott winner against watford was pretty good was a good one was a good um, but moise Keane's first goal was just that was tremendous then uh, I just it's just certain players I've been wanting to I've been wishing they were able to dance more at Goodison and he's one of them mm-hmm. even Yuri Mina I just want to see them because they're they're my favorites to watch dance <laughs> they're just great kind of like Harold so uh, by the way all these questions are from Instagram I neglected to mention that earlier uh, C57 okay. 2.0 asks do you rate Luca Dean in the top 10 uh, left backs in the world at the moment and well, full disclosure, uh, I have not ranked all of the world's left backs backs lately. Uh, probably couldn't name them. <laughs> however, I would say you can make an argument for him being at least top three in the Premier League. In the Premier League, I think you can make an argument for the Premier League being one of the top leagues in the world. So I uh-huh. think, yes, you can rate Luca Dean in the top 10 left backs in the world. I think you can do yeah. that. And I don't even have to rattle off the other names. I think no. just by simple process of elimination, it makes sense that I could say that. Yeah. I, I was going to say you could make an argument for him being the best left back in, in England. Mm-hmm. Um, you can. Certainly, as you said, in the top three. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know who all might be on that top 10 list worldwide. But, but yeah, that in the best in the best league in the world um mm-hmm. you can make an argument that he is the best left back in the best league in the world so yeah 
kind of answers the question. Yeah, you, all I know is Alfonso Davies is up there somewhere too. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which I also think is cool because he came from MLS, you know, whatever. But right. uh, <laughs> um, almost finished here. D. Sotorov, 23, asks, realistic league position at the end of the season? Oh. Um, I could I could see us finishing fifth. Okay. So I was going to give a, a range because I'm a cheater. And mm-hmm. I would say I would I would say a realistic range is from third through eighth. Yeah. I'm fine. I think that's realistic. And if it happened, I would not be completely blown away at this point with a place. Now, if it if it's below eighth, I am extremely disappointed with the team that we have. If it's right. above third, I am blown away and ecstatic by by the fact that I feel like we have done that with a very thin squad, mm-hmm. you know, with a team full of starters and not a lot of bench, right. you know. So yeah, and I, I've said it. I've said it, it before. It makes a lot of sense to me, by the yeah. way. Yeah, I, I, and I'll s- stick with this. Um, anything less than, anything more than then Europe would be just kind of icing on the cake. Anything less than Europe would be a big disappointment. So, um, yeah, anywhere in between one and one and six or seven, I'm <laughs> fine. All right, here's, I mean, here's if they the deal. The, if they want to win the league, I'm not going to discourage them. Yeah, go but, ahead, guys. Uh, Knock yourselves out. <laughs> <laughs> we're, allowed to, we're allowed to dream. What's the, you know, what's the harm in that? And, but, I, and I'm uh, just gonna. But no, I think um, I think for this club, it, from from uh, and this is from a very serious standpoint. I think it's very important for Everton Football Club to be playing European football. Mm-hmm. I think it's the bare minimum expectation we should have as fans. Mm-hmm. And I think um, with our with our resources, with our history. Um, I don't think there's any reason now it doesn't mean you can't have a poor season at some, you know, at some point, it also doesn't mean that you might have an exceptionally good season Mm -hmm. and find yourself in champions league places. But I think for Everton football club as a fan base and as the club, I think that should be our bare minimum expectation is that we are competing if not achieving European football every year mm-hmm. and I think it's reasonable to expect that we do that this year yes um, people get enamored with us being top of the league and they can talk about Champions League they can talk about all they but I I just think that's that's our goal this year is Europe and that's it and so all right and to be, I just realized I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick firm. I'm not just going to say a range. I'm going to say we're going to be fourth because I, I don't want anybody to call me wishy-washy Jerry because <laughs> uh, uh, nobody calls me that anymore. It's been years. So, yeah, just, there, there we go. Last, last question, and I'm going to handle this one. I got this one. Okay. okay. 18 Tom 78 asks, is water wet? And I'm just going to tell you, Tom, no. It's a lie. Moving on. 
Anthony Gordon, <laughs> final word on Anthony Gordon. We need to discuss this 19-year-old fellow, six foot tall, 150 pounds. Uh, guy has posted all these videos of himself working out. Uh, and he's just, you know, I point, to my, point him out to my kids and I'm like, that's what you got to do, guys. That's what you got to do. See the guy training? See all the stuff he's doing? And he came back and he's just like ripped. And he's like this, and he, he's serious about playing. He is serious, so much so that there's a, there's some, you hear some words that maybe he, he went to Carlo and said, hey, man, can I play, man? Can I play, Carlo? And uh, he hadn't really gotten much of a luck in. And, uh, you know, we, we mentioned uh, off, off air, we mentioned uh, David Hughes, who used to come on Topic Blues all the time. He did an article recently and was talking about, um, it's something I mentioned last week, actually, that uh, Anthony Gordon is the closest thing to a like-for-like to, like like replacement you got for Richarlison when it comes, like, on the surface, more direct, right? A direct player, not afraid to take players head-on, um, electric, you know? He's electric. He's always constantly trying to make something happen. Um, and then he had this recent run with no Richarlison. No Richarlison in the, in, in, in the squad, and Anthony Gordon does not – get that look in so and instead of playing recently against united he plays for the u23s and seems like a head above you know what i mean so it's a weird situation and we've got into this a little bit earlier so is there a chance that carlo's a man manager right that's what we always were under the impression that he's this man manager do you think there's something we're what do you do you think it could be a consistency with training issue week in week out some of these other players being a little more consistent at training and maybe that's what's given them the nod in and I mentioned this yeah earlier that uh, um, you know in my experience if a guy who you think should be playing isn't playing mm -hmm. a lot of times it's because of what is transpiring during the week. Um, but I, it, there's just really, there's no way to know. And I, I, mm -hmm. I know Carlo has been asked about him. I don't know if any, if anyone has really has asked Carlo directly, you know, why is Anthony Gordon not playing? Um, I know the story came out where he went, and it, it sounded like he went, he, you know, he didn't go to Carlo's office and say, you know, I should be playing. It was an he went ask. to Carlo's office reportedly and said, what do I need to do? To right. Play? Yeah. And, you know, my question would have been of Carlo is, well, you know, what did you, what'd you tell him? Mm -hmm. What did he need to do to play? Um, but I don't know if anyone, I, I didn't see Carlo address it in that way. Mm -hmm. um, I think he just said kind of the stock response of, um, well, that's what I want my players to say. Hey, you know, I want players who want to play. Right. Okay. Well, of course, you know, you want players who want to play. Um, but, but yeah, and you go to the, the office and you say, you know, one of the greatest managers, uh, in world football and you're, you're 19 and you go to his door and you say, what do I need to do to play? Um, Carlo Ancelotti 
if that's the way it happened, Carlo Ancelotti would have at that point absolutely told Anthony Gordon what he has to do in order to play. Yeah. And he's not going to tell us that. And he's not going to tell reporters that, but I guarantee you he told Anthony Gordon what he needs to do to play. I don't remember when that meeting went, took place when, do I you? definitely don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it was... My memory these days is crap. So I definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was during this, during this three games or, or what, but the fact that he hasn't, whatever Carlos answer was, the fact that he's still not playing means yeah, that I don't he has during, by the way, whatever it was he needs to do to play, whatever he needs to do to play, he hasn't done yet. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's it, obviously it's all speculation because yeah. you know he's still he's still a very young player, but he seems to have a good head on his shoulders. He seems to be a, a good kid. He obviously approaches uh, games the right way. Mm-hmm. And what I like about him is he could be sulking. He could be playing for the U twenty threes and sulking. No, he's out there dominating the match. Right. That that says that says a lot, because a young guy like that, who feels like he deserves to be on the pitch at Goodison with the first team, is stuck playing U twenty threes. He could easily just kind of go through the motions. He doesn't. He goes out there and dominates. So he's got the quality. He seems to have a good approach and a good head on his shoulders. So it's, it, I'll, I'll admit it's, it's, it's a mystery, but, you know, and I don't want to just say, well, we should trust Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, that's the easy answer because we probably should. Um, but yeah, I would really kind of, you know, the curiosity is kind of killing me. Like I do want to know, like I, I would, if I was in a professional capacity <clears throat> at, at Carlo's news conference, I would ask him, why is Anthony Gordon not playing? Mm. And do you think you would get that stock? You'd get that stock answer. Well, that's the thing is, is if you ask why is Anthony Gordon not playing, it's kind of hard to provide a stock answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you have to, you have to answer, even if you give, even if you give like a, some sort of canned answer, it's going to tell you something. Ah, so if he says something to effect, well, you know, I don't know. Like he's going to tip off. He'll tip off something if you. <laughs> I love it. I love this. This is this is devious, Jeff. I like this. <laughs> this is. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, no. I'm just curious, and I think you know the fans are obviously curious yeah. why why this kid isn't isn't playing, especially given the situation we were in the last three matches. But now Richarlison is back, so you know. But, um, huh, yeah, yeah. The uh, supposedly that meeting happened before all of this, like earlier in the season, like, uh, yeah, it was before this three game stretch. So, um, I don't know, man. Uh, when I I had a coach, I was talking, I I was like, I was, I was lucky enough, I got to have a conversation with the Wake Forest head coach, Bobby Muse, who's actually a really big Liverpool supporter, by the way. Uh, and constantly giving me crap about how my kids wear Everton gear all the time. But uh, yeah, I was talking to him and he was talking to me about the, uh, one of his things, his very key things that he looks for as a coach 
is consistency in practice and bringing the same mentality, the same effort, the same sharp edge to every single training session. And the players who don't are the, are, are the, if you don't do, if you're not as sharp as the other players every single time and you're not consistent, there may be the most talented players. There are players right now playing in MLS that he was talking about that he said didn't play till their junior, senior year because of this very reason. And we're yeah. talking about one manager and it's a little bit of insight into the way one manager view, views things. But he said it's a, it's a really common thing, especially in America, by the way. He said in, in Europe, kids are much more used and players are much more used to the day in, the day out of being like, you know, playing, practicing like there's, there's blood in the water and you're, you know, sharks with blood in the water. You know what I mean? Just it's that, it's that intensity, every single practice, that same sharp edge. And it is also concentration. So, you know, you, you think of a player like Anthony Gordon, who seems like a pro as a kid, um, and I, I'm betting you money. There's nothing that's that that's discernible on his end, but it could be something little. Maybe his frustration with not playing is leading to little mistakes during practice. Could be anything. So right. that's the kind of stuff that a manager is privy to. You're right, man. Every single thing we say here is going to be speculation. All we can do is maybe throw up some options and say, "Hey, we're just." Trying to, I mean, Carlo Ancelotti is a smart guy. He's a man manager. And if he's got one player that he thinks is giving him something in training that another player is not giving, he's going to give that player an opportunity, right? right. And it may not even be it, – it could be a combination with other players. It may not be effort. may not even be concentration. Yeah. It could be chemistry. So The other thing, yeah. too, is he may like, – it's not – a lot of times managers think, you know what, I got a chance to get – a lot more out of this player than I'm getting. Mm. It's not that what he's giving me isn't good or maybe even great, but he's like, you know what, if I approach this kid the right way, there's a lot more in there I can get. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to, then I'm going to unleash him. And at that point, at that point, he's going to be ready to give me, he's going to be, he's going to be ready to give me the great, you know, every, every, every time he goes out there, but again, it's just speculation, but I'm, you know, just trying to like, from my experience, just kind of how, how managers think, especially with young players. Um, If this is a veteran player, it's a lot easier to kind of speculate, you know, but a young guy that he's trying to mold, you know, he's, he's not, he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's trying to get he's trying to get he's obviously trying to get more out of Anthony Gordon than he's getting, but I think it's we should probably not assume that he's not getting anything from Anthony Gordon. Right. He might be getting a lot from Anthony Gordon. He just thinks he can get more. Right. And that's a good point. I like that. But again, that doesn't really answer the question of why. But at the same time, you're, what you're doing is pr- you're providing possibility. You know what I mean? Right. You're kind of pr- providing some potential insight. So, I mean, you could be, we, we all, everything we've said might be totally wrong, but at least what we're doing is we're giving up some yeah. potentials. You, you know? also have, you also have other players, obviously. You have the other players mm-hmm. that are like, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, you're, I see this kid in training every week and I know what I'm giving 
mm-hmm. in training every week. Um, and if Carlos says, well, you know, Anthony, I'm going to throw Anthony Gordon in there. Then, then you have, that goes back to being a man manager and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter the sport um, or the country, you know, all coaches go through the same kind of juggling act of kind of massaging the egos. Um, but it is important though, because you're trying to get something out of those players too. Mm-hmm. And if you just throw a 19 year old kid out there because the fans are like, because the fans like him, or the fans want mm-hmm. you to put him out there. And you got some veteran players who've been around for a very long time who know what they're giving and training every week. Right. And they're like, you're like, Hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a chemistry issue. Yes, you do. So it's not as it's not as simple as uh, as we kind of make it out to be at times, but but again, I'm not I'm not disagreeing at all with the people that are, that are saying because I'm among them. Like, yeah, let's get Anthony Gordon, <laughs> let's get Anthony Gordon in there and see what he can do because I I just I love I love his style of play and I love what he brings and uh, but but the good thing is he's 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 got plenty of he's got plenty of time and if Carlo develops him right, he's going to mm-hmm. be an even better player for Everton when he gets the opportunity. So, uh, Yeah. And he, I, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I was among those two. Um, I'd love to see him play. Uh, it's just complex. It's a complex situation. I have a tendency to try to not assume incompetence from other people. Mm-hmm. I just kind of <laughs> assume that there's, I don't know, I tend to give, give people the benefit of the doubt. And so uh, this is one of those where I, I feel like uh, I like to assume that uh, everybody's working hard, doing the job they're supposed to do. And Carlos sees some certain commu- yeah. you know, chemistry-based stuff. He's like, this is the best combination that I see is working right now. And this is what I'm thinking. I don't think it's, it's probably not any fault of Anthony Gordon's and it's probably not a fault of Carlos. That's, right. you know, that's, that's I mean, a, I, I a way to when, look at it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I picture when Carlo walks on Crosby beach, that the sand just kind of clears a path for him as he walks along Crosby. Beach. So, you know, I'm not one to question Carlo Ancelotti. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess it may, we may have to wait a little while anyway for uh, Anthony Gordon, even if he was playing the next match, it's yeah. a little while before the next one because we've got the super fun international break, everybody. We all look forward to it. How many guys do we have playing uh, going to their clubs? Man, hopefully I don't, not many. <laughs> I don't know. It just I don't want to have to spend the break stressing about somebody tearing their ACL. All I know is Alon is with Brazil ju- uh, along with Richarlison, so I didn't even expect him yeah. to be doing that. And Ugh. so there's like, yeah, they're 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 all out there. Look at Dean. Look at Dean is out there. I mean, yeah. um, I know some players like weren't uh, weren't able to join their squad because of certain COVID-based restrictions. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I'm glad for I'm glad for Rich Arlison because obviously he hasn't you know he hasn't been playing so that's get him I a little get him a little yeah. warm get his you know. Yeah. That would be cool, but it's just ugh. as long as he's fit words. and he doesn't. It's just uh, I hate. Yeah, yep. holding the breath for two weeks. Yeah, it's like the the tweets that came out with with Dean. You know, he had that great assist in the ma- the one match, and then they're like, "Oh, he's walking slowly off the." Yep. 
and then you go through a few hours of panic before it's like, oh, it's nothing serious. It's like, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need that. I'm, I'm yeah. Too old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> international. There was a, there was a time. I want a whole squad against Fulham. I want to see everyone. I want to yes. see our entire squad perfectly fit, intact, and walk out and blast Fulham. That's what I want to see. I, I'd love to Things see. Things never seem to work out. Love to see some some opportunities, to more more opportunities where we're actually pu- uh, pressing their keeper some. Let's let's challenge their keeper a little yeah. more than three times. Yeah. Uh, we didn't challenge the hair much at all this past week, so no. let's let's just bombard this dude. So anyway, uh, we are we are at the end of the show here, Jeff. We have we have finished in just a shade under a decade. Um, Anyway, so uh, I did want to say thanks to to Jeff Walner for for joining us. Jeff, do you have do you want to uh, do some plugging really quick before I go into my ending spiel here? No, I think uh, no. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was a ton of fun, and hopefully, we can do it again at some point. All right. So, uh, Jeff, I definitely definitely would appreciate you coming back on again. You're super, such a super nice guy. I appreciate your stories. And your, uh, yeah, man, uh, your insight. It was just really cool talking to you um, and not having to Twitter stalk you from afar. Uh, so, <laughs> by the way, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me on Twitter, like if you, you know, you're you're quarantined, you're in lockdown, and you have, you know, absolutely no other options for social mm-hmm. interaction, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Walner, and occasionally um, I will say something that is interesting or thought provoking. Um, and every once in a while, funny, that's the most important, those are the most important tweets, but, uh, and, but and yeah. you're, it should anyway. be below his face. His Twitter handle should be below <laughs> his face just there where normally it would say kazoo. It'll be his Twitter it should be right <laughs> there on him. Okay. Yeah. So very cool. Well, Jeff, thank Best you so all much. My friends in, uh, all my friends in Liverpool who are, going on lockdown again so Um, hang in there thinking of you stay safe all right so ladies and ladies and gentlemen this has been uh jeff walner uh on with on with jerry gibson let me go ahead and get my my spiel stuff out of the way uh uh so uh if you are not already subscribed to the toffee blues youtube channel we'd really appreciate it if you were or if you want to check out our podcast it's a it's both podcast and channel Subscribe to both those. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, if you could follow the Top of Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to check out the website, there's all kinds of uh, all things Everton, basically, analysis on there uh, by, some, by some cool contributors that appear on this channel and on these podcasts. Uh, uh, last but not least, here, I wrote a book. It's a kid's book. Randolph the, Ch- Randolph the Christmas Moose. It's about a moose who's a runner. He wears a headband. And uh, yeah, it's a moose who's a runner and it's Christmas and he saves Christmas at some point, perhaps. I don't know. I'm awful at plugging this thing, but I'm trying to keep doing it. So uh, concept came from Toffee Blues. So yeah, I have a part ta- part Max and part Terry to thank for this stuff. Uh, so anyway, Toffee Blues made my children's Huh? Where can you buy it? Amazon. Sorry, my wife was just like, where can you buy it, Jerry? Amazon. She's right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so yeah, thanks, thanks so much for your time, everybody. We, uh, Jeff, 
again, good to meet you. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's have a good That's international fun. break where no one gets hurt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Take care, buddy. Hope we, hope we talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. For everybody else out there, have a good international break. Stay safe. All right. Bye.